0: Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us to this camp. Lord, we thank you that you have brought so many here to be exposed to your word. And Lord, as we gather again in this afternoon hour, we ask that your presence would be here also, so that we could learn from you and that we could discuss ideas and plans that have you have given to individuals to develop your church and to further your work on this earth and Lord we thank you for that and we want to praise you for all things for we pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I thought I'd begin with an introduction of who I am and uh, how I've been going to the Apostolic Christian Church since we came since my parents came to this country when I was about two years old, and that was in 1956. And now you know I'm old and uh, uh, and uh, they were sponsored by Albert Bossert, uh, whom you know, but, uh, and uh, that's how we got introduced to the, uh, to the church, really. Because they sponsored us, and we we came to that uh union city church and uh the the Union City church was really the the church in New Jersey there before there was a woodcliff lake, and then the the members there because there were several languages there in in that church, and uh It was like a a place where many people came as they were coming to the United States because it was close to New York City and people would come to New York City and some of them would only stay several weeks and then move on uh, throughout the United States. And uh, as it got larger and larger, the, the number of people there, uh, it was, they looked into building another church, which was the Woodcliffe Lake Church. And uh, there was a group that went about doing that, and eventually they uh, went to the uh, Woodcliffe Lake Church. And I was one of the ones that stayed back in the uh, Union City Church. And then, so we went from a really large church to a really small church at that time. But the, the brothers who, uh, who went to Woodcliffe Lake agreed to for one year to provide ministers that would come every Sunday to preach at the Union City Church in English because there were, there were other languages there. There was German and Romanian and I think Serbian also so they would have a bible class and then they would do uh, a sermon in in English and they did that every week for a year and then for another 9 years I think after that and uh, and then uh i was baptized in the Woodcliffe lake church that uh, at that time then the uh, Union City Church was getting smaller and smaller and so eventually it was closed and it was sold and uh, then I went to the Woodcliffe Lake Church and uh, even in the Woodcliffe Lake Church that was a pretty large church at the time and it was getting bigger also eventually that uh, the building that they Uh, had and I think it was dedicated in 1970 Uh, and then eventually more and more people were coming that we had to add on an addition to that which I think was in 92 or around that time and uh, there were we we added on an area that included the uh, a lunchroom and we had four long tables there and there were times where all of those tables were full and then some even had to go like into the classrooms to, uh, uh, to eat or some were eating in the kitchen because there was a large group of people there. And then eventually we got to be smaller, that a lot of those people moved away and moved to, to other churches we were counting before I think there are 47 people at this camp who are registered at this camp who once attended Woodcliffe Lake as their their home church and there are a number of others who are not here at this camp also so we went from a a larger church to I don't know if we would uh, qualify that as a small church because I think there are others who Uh, are are even smaller churches. But uh, I wanted to begin by uh, reading some uh, scriptures then uh, because I want to read in Genesis 2.15 and it's talking about when God created man, he said, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And then in 19 it says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And so we see from the beginning that when God created man, he didn't create him to be like a passive being, to to not really do anything he created him to be active and he created him he, here he gave him tasks to do not because God couldn't do that task but I think God wanted him to be a being to like be, walk with God and to, to have this joint uh, effort that, that the, the human being would put in and God would bless that effort and we, we see that throughout, uh, throughout the scripture in Matthew uh, 16, uh, 15 through 18, where he's talking to, to Peter and, he, uh, he, and to his disciples. And he, he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And again, here he's having Peter to be a part of building Christ's church. Not because God couldn't do that by himself, but again, that was part of God's plan. He wanted his creation, the the man that he created and the human that he created to be active, even active in the work of of the church. And then even again unto Peter, we we read in John 21, after Jesus uh, had risen again from the dead, And he talks unto Peter and he asks him if he loves him. And he tells Peter then, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And that's really a task that Jesus was doing on the earth. He was the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. And he was feeding those sheep. Now he's saying unto Peter, I'm going to be going away. Now you're going to be feeding the sheep. That's going to be part of the task that he was giving to Peter. Again, he wasn't going to leave him alone. He wasn't going to abandon him. But part of the task that he would give him was to do that. And then in Acts 1.8 he says, um, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Here again he's giving the task of that uh, church going out. And, and it begins in the local area in, in Jerusalem and then the surrounding area, Judea, and, and reaching out to the, to the uttermost part of the earth. And also we read in Acts 16... In where uh, Paul is giving the greetings to those in the church of Rome, in, uh, or in Romans 16, three through 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So it seems like that was a church that was meeting in a house, probably a small group of people, but God said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. And so today we're going to be talking about small churches and some of the ways that uh, we could help out and, and just a, a general discussion of uh, what are the challenges in a small church and, and, and things like that? And uh, by a show of hands, how many go to a church where there are 50 or fewer attending every Sunday? Yeah, that's the, that's a pretty large percentage of the group here. How about how many go to a church where there are 25 or fewer Attending on a Sunday there's still a group here one, two, three, maybe five or six how many go to a church where there are ten or fewer going on a Sunday depends on the Sunday mm-hmm. yeah what's that morning or afternoon it might be yeah different there also mm-hmm but do you remember Abraham went to God, and God told Abraham he's going to destroy a city. And what did Abraham say? Fifty. If there were fifty who still believed in God, what did God say? He
1: would spare, he he would spare that city.
0: Now what did Abraham
2: Get it down
0: to, it down down to ten, ten, 10, right? You got it down to 10. And what did God say?
3: Spare. Spare for ten. If there
0: are 10 people in that city who believe in him, the city would be spared. If there were 10 people who believed in God, it would have changed the history of that city. 10 people believing in God can make a big difference. But there weren't 10. There weren't 10 people. And that city was destroyed. And I think even a small group of people can make a difference in a, a surrounding area or even among just the, the, the church of, of, uh, of believers. So I'd like this to be a discussion I think I've already talked too much already, and uh, I'd like people to... I gave uh, out, did everyone get the sample question? These are just some questions maybe to get the conversation going. We don't have to answer all of these, but just if you have things on your heart, things that you would like to say, things that you would feel uh, would say what it's like to be in a small church uh, that... um, Perhaps we could uh, pass around the microphone, and uh, does anyone want to to begin?
3: In a small church, we all have to work, and I think this is important because you can't just sit back. There's jobs for everybody, and that's the advantage of a small church.
0: The advantage uh, that everyone would have to do something, and the, the uh, people would uh, would be involved. Then, that uh, anyone else. Here, let me bring the microphone.
4: In a small church, there are uh, seems the hills and the valleys are more exaggerated.
0: Okay. Is that going through? There? And then. It would be better.
4: Okay. In a, in a small church, there's always like the hills and the valleys of of uh, things that are going on at church. And they seem to be exaggerated more because there's fewer around. But you, you just l- learn, you just write
0: them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, would you say that's an advantage or a disadvantage? anyone
5: else?
6: I know I really like being in a small church because I feel like you can get closer to each individual person, you really get to know everyone, and I think that's good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a an advantage that that uh, you get to know people better and, and you get to know who they are more on a deeper level than if that was just someone who would come in and sit in the back pew and then leave before you ever got a chance to to speak to that person in a small church there is more of a chance to get to know people and to get to know them on a deeper and a more personal level and uh, it, it also gives uh, an advantage of, of uh, knowing what's going on in people's lives and, and how to, to pray for them because in a larger church maybe that's more difficult. Maybe there are some people which you are closer to and uh, you get to know those people. But then in, uh, you may not be able to get to know other people on that uh, uh, personal level that you would in in a smaller church.
6: I'm just going off of what Megan said. When you're in a small church, you don't have like too many people to get to know. So you can't just stick with the teenagers, say. I'm 18. There's one other 18-year-old. <laughs> so it forces you, like I talk to people who are, you know, 30 years my elder, um 15 years my minor. You know, like there's so many people you have to talk to, more people, and I think that helps when you're in the actual you know, when you're in the world, you know how to talk to people that are different from you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a broader range of, of people. And
7: in a small church, it's a very much a family atmosphere. And when people have issues or needs, like somebody's out of a job, we're all praying for that individual. And then when... They find a job, we can all rejoice, and I think that's very special in a small church. My son-in-law was having a discussion with his mother. They belonged to a large church, and she was mentioning somebody, and, and he couldn't figure out who it was. And then he realized his church is so big, he doesn't even know the names of all the people that attend, or members there. So I think sometimes that would never happen in a small church we know each other and we know our needs and our concerns. Mm
0: -hmm. Any other?
8: Not currently, but when I lived in Florida, which was smaller, um, there are two disadvantages of being in a small church. And one is, you know, everyone does have a job, but if you're the only piano player, you can really get burnt out. So burnout is a distinct possibility in a small church. And then also when something catastrophic happens and everyone is personally related, um, it, it, it's a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. That it affects the whole church. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what would have helped you out there? Would a, would a visiting piano player have, have been a... Uh, would, have, would that have been a help in that... Uh,
8: We uh, solicited the help of a sister in Mansfield, and she made a cassette tape of um, two verses per song, and she listed the songs from the hymnal, and so we always sang them in order. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's uh, that's a good thing to know. But,
9: uh... <clears throat> uh, we are from a small congregation as well, Clovis. I'd uh, like to listen and, and to l- to learn by listening here. Um some, some struggles that uh, we have locally, uh, talking with Mia earlier this weekend, she mentioned that uh, one of the struggles we have uh, is, um, is just dealing with loneliness, the sense of loneliness. In particular, if you're um, somewhat isolated geographically like we are, um, I will say this because uh, uh, we, we, we do get a, a fair amount of, of support from visitors, and, and we're very thankful for that. But it's interesting, you know, when you are a small in number, you, can, you forget those visitors very fast, the fact that you, that you had visitors. So dealing with loneliness can be an issue. Um, when you're very small, um, you know, uh, another challenge is providing um, children uh, with uh, with maybe peers that they'd be able to interact with. That can be a, a struggle uh, because clearly they're at a, you know, if you have teenagers as we do, they're in a formative state of, uh, of life. They need, they need relationships. That's very important to them um, and to us as well, not simply to them. Sometimes another, another challenge can, can, that I see that generates, uh, can be generated is we get this, but I'm going to call an unhealthy focus of simply going to church on Sunday for the sake of going to church. I think it's it, clearly we need to go to church to worship the Lord. We know this. But if, we ha- if our focus on Sunday is I'm going to church today, and if that's the extent of my focus, I think it's a problem because um, uh, that, that, that has a way of, uh, of um, how should I say, the inspiration or motivation behind going to church has a way of fizzling quickly. If we're simply looking to go to church, it's the sake like of going to church. So I, I, th- I think sometimes in the leadership we have to find reasons uh, and ways and opportunities to help the membership um, serve the Lord, Avenues by which they can serve, so that there's more to 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 a, to a Sunday than simply listening just to the message itself. So I think that can sometimes be a, a challenge. Also, the Lord has um, blessed us locally that um, we have been able to be a part of hosting various events. Um, and, and I will say that the older I get, the more challenging we find that. Um, you know. Uh, when, when you When you have uh, an average of say twelve to fifteen in church on a Sunday, and then you host an event and two hundred are there and of course, you know I will say the the lion's share of that work falls to our wives because yes, there are meals that are prepared, yes, we host and and of course, when you host and you're not going if you have a lot you, you host many um, that's all part of the sacrifice, I think, of being in a small church, and also, that, but realizing there's a need to provide fellowship, interaction, um, so that from time to time we can find, so to speak, restoration in our purpose and encouragement as we serve the Lord in a smaller community. So again, trying to put some clarity to this, the challenge uh, that, that I see is when, when you do host an event, if it's a larger event, and unfortunately we don't know how to think small, even though we are small, we always tend to think large, um, it, it can be a challenge because there's not that many households to go around to host or to co- to provide accommodations, and uh, that can be somewhat limiting. Uh, one other um, one other challenge that comes to my mind, too, for myself, uh, I, I, I believe that locally we need to be uh, doing more to reach out to the community. And it seems that when you are small, and, you know, it's interesting, the uh, 80-20 rule or 20-80 rule, however you want to, uh, I guess, express that, where 20% of the, of, of, of the attendees do 80% of the work, that, that principle applies no matter what size your, your congregation is, right? Uh, and um, responsibilities, there are responsibilities in maintaining a church, be it financial, being it, being it, if you're the treasurer, if you're the landscaper, you know you could be whatever. These responsibilities are still there. And so when you're small, you're maintaining a church in a church building. Sometimes those responsibilities, a sheer number of them, are limiting they sap your time. You don't really have the time to strike out, be able to go out and, and, and maybe try to make inroads into the community. So I, th- those are some I think some of the challenges that uh, that we probably face. I'm not sure there's more. Yeah. Yeah. Some.
3: I know. For me personally, it's very hard. When um, as small as we are, and there's a lot of benefits to being in small church. Can like. Talk
1: about y- the benefits yeah <laughs>
3: okay um when just one family leaves and goes on vacation, um we feel it big time and um so we um always try to even schedule a lot of vacations so we don't all go on vacation or That's certain fact. events same time and um yeah we would definitely i would <laughs> we would love to have at least a couple more families. <laughs> But we do appreciate visitors every time we have visitors. I think we just choke them with our love because we are so excited to have them. i I belong to two churches officially. And One is over 200 people. The other one is about, for a long time, it never reached 50, maybe 35. I would say about the average of 35 people. And I find in in the large church, we are very active, a lot of activities. But there's so many people, and we kind of group ourselves, you know. There are certain things, you know, we have. Everybody does the same thing in a big church. But um, most of the time, everybody has his own group where they belong. And in a small church, um, it, we just have such a you know, working together. Like, I mean, we were just interacting and doing everything. And it felt like the whole church is doing it. Like, um, for example, you know, uh, in a big church, we do quilting uh, always, and we send quilts all over the world and so on. But we never get more than eight or ten people to come in a big church. In a small church, half the church shows up. So there's a lot of advantages And you feel more, uh, you're working (coughs) together, you're there, you care for, we all care for each other, but somehow (coughs) it just, it seems like the whole church is involved. In a big church, it's, uh, the grouping is kind of really very uh, real. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we get much more people to do the quilting in a small church than we do in a real big church. So there's differences. I mean, they're all, I love both of the churches. But, I mean, there's a big difference. There's things I like in a big church, and I love the little church.
0: Thank
1: you. I'll I'll have to preface my comment by, I grew up in a very large church for 31 years, uh, and then moved to quite a small church. And if I can touch on one of Brother Jim's comments about feeling lonely, uh, I'll, I'll comment quickly to that as a parent of very small children, and having somebody that's, that's four that remembers the great things about a big church, the Sunday school, the choirs, the family, uh, and, and having them tell you in tears uh, and ask the question, why did we ever move, uh, is gut-wrenching for a parent. So I I pray for encouragement that uh, even though in a small church seeing the impact that might have on our children that the relationships that they have made even already span generations as as you said Um, and in the fact that somebody that might be even 60 years the elder they can have a very close relationship with. So the loneliness does definitely set in and from a parent's perspective uh, Satan really, in, in, in my life, has made um, um, definite cracks to attack that area that, uh, of what they've lost. And, and just a quick second comment, the, uh, the, the concept of outreach, as you mentioned, Jim, uh, I would say the, the church that uh, we have down in southern Florida is a very, very unique place that two-thirds of the normal attendees aren't members of the ACC specifically. Uh, I definitely believe most have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ, but the fact that our fellowship is made up of, of more non ACC members and that there still is uh, a definition of unity there, and I know that that 's a bit gray, so so please you know, trust me on this. Um, you know that a church can function and can be healthy even though it is such a different mix of people, and the outreach that you see sitting up at the front, seeing somebody walk in for five minutes or maybe stay a month, that you're, in in—in—in—in in our case, even an island for somebody to come and find some comfort, that that is success. That even though success, maybe I considered in a previous life how many baptisms are in one year, that that can be transformed into if you're simply a place of refuge for whether it's a week or two, that God is glorified in that.
0: Could you give Roger I've
1: been a <clears throat> the of the
10: Foundation Revolving Building Committee for many years. I'd like to change this discussion a little bit. During that time, we've closed at least nine churches, locked the door, sold the building, and most of the money in the Revolving Building Fund that increased while I was there was from the sale of the buildings. And you know where that money went to? Building bigger churches bigger. I got a real problem with that. We are going at it backwards. Absolutely backwards. It is time our big churches say, Whoa, I come from Mansfield. I've been born in Mansfield. I lived there all my life, although I do winter in North Phoenix now. It's time that the leadership takes the bull by the horns and st- starts teaching our young pe- families, that's what you need, young families, to get out of the big church, move to the small ones. Now this is not growth. It's still the same amount of apostolics where they, no matter where they live, but it is seed for growth. I know in, In uh, Coconut Creek, some of the neighbors came in with families and they looked around. It was all senior citizens. This was not for them. There was nothing there for their children. I think that has improved since then. But I think it's got to come from the top down. We've got to be taught to move out. Now, it's not going to be a vacation, even if you move to Florida. Or Phoenix—that's not a vacation. You're going to go there to work, and it's going to be a sacrifice. But isn't that what we're supposed to do as children of God? We're here to work. We're here to promote the gospel. And I think another thing we should do, <clears throat> again from the leadership, and I got to point ten fingers and even throw some ten toes at myself, have taught how to invite people to come to our church outside of our church. Now that is growth. I don't think we've really discussed that. We don't teach that. And I think that's a talent we got to learn. And th- these are the things I think are some of the things to do. Uh, but I think we've, we got to change our whole ad- uh, thinking. We, we was always on preserving what we got. Preserving what we got. Uh, let's go out and bring in. And don't worry so much about preserving what we got, because doing that, we're going backwards. Our our membership in Mansfield's half of what it used to be at one time. It's sad. I look around, I remember one time we was literally talking about adding on, until Brother John Zoig shot that right in the head. (laughs) Told us, don't you dare do that. And a lot of our members took his advice, a lot of them moved to Florida, and a mar- lot of them moved to Phoenix, and we've never talked about it since. And now, it's to the point we almost say our building's too big. We got to start going for evangelistic, inviting people in. Uh, and I, I'm throwing out a problem here. I don't have the answer for that, but I think that's the direction we got to be going, and not building bigger churches. I, i said it before, and i say it again. We should put a moratorium on these big churches. You cannot add on. You move out. Thank
11: you. I just wanted to encourage uh, Brother Glenn and his family. We moved, I moved from a big church when I got married up to our small church in Toronto, and I guess one of the extra struggles that we have is we're a small church in a very large city. We all live very far apart. Fellowship is almost non-existent and so we tend to plug in everything we can for a Sunday and you go home and you're wiped by the end of Sunday because everything was there because it's too hard to get together during the week. We do have a midweek service, but I went through, or we went through the same kind of thing with our children because all their family and all our extended family was in Windsor and so often we heard from our boys, why did we ever have to live here? Why would, Why did we not grow up in Windsor? And I have to say, it wasn't until I guess it was later years in high school that our oldest one went to Windsor for a couple of summers to work and stayed with relatives. And the first year, he was so gung ho, he was going to move back to Windsor. (laughs) The second year, he came back, and I guess he had a little time to mature and think about it. He says, Mom, I'm so glad that we were born and raised in Toronto. So if that ever happens to you, it may just come to that point where they realize the advantages. Yes, he loved it there, and we always had a good time when we went, but he realized what he had in this small church as well.
0: How many years did that take? <laughs>
12: <laughs> I'd just like to add on to what you said. We wouldn't even need to have families move to our churches. We're 12 minutes from West Akron Church. I'm from Medina, and 45 minutes, 50 minutes from Mansfield. And I'm going to try and say this without crying. My daughter was two before we had a visitor. She was in the baby room every Sunday by herself. I have a 6-year-old and a 10-year-old, and there's no other children. We brought children occasionally. Their friends from school will come for a few months. But the same thing, like you said, they walk in, the families, and they don't see anyone else, and they don't come back. And if we had families, I I keep thinking that if once a month, somebody from Mansfield, somebody from West Ackerman come, it would make such a difference in our life, and they're less than an hour away—12 Tw- minutes to West Akron. They—they they wouldn't even have to move or relocate. They wouldn't even make a, that huge of a commitment you know, just to organize something, and—and and even li- things like when there's um, often there's the foundation meeting near us. We don't get any visitors in Medina. There, I don't know if everyone assumes someone else is coming or what happens, but every week we pull in and think maybe there will be a car there or if there's a meeting or something going on close by, and there never is. And it's, it's sad. But on the good side, my children are the best behaved in church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and what you're talking about doesn't really take – elders or ministers to, to come, that, it, that even, uh, even a family coming and visiting with, w- would, would make a difference? Uh,
13: several months ago, we had uh, Arya Singh in Medina. And uh, we had one young brother from Mansfield who came. He came in the morning. said, I wanted to spend all day with you. And uh, he said, I couldn't get anybody else to come with me. You know, but it's it's that kind of attitude, and we really appreciated uh, that visit. So.
7: Yeah, you know what um, George pavko came one time, and he stayed for evening service, and I don't know how long ago that made such so an Im- such an impression. We still remember.
13: He's the only guy ever to stay for evening service. Okay. Definitely. Anyway, uh, Jeffrey.
7: <laughs> ever anyway, Jeffrey. What <laughs> I, why, I, have, a, I mean. have a I have a opinion about. Um, when when your children are saying but nobody is my age well i don't know if at that church anyone is my age really you know what i'm saying okay so you know i love them to death and i say you know what um they heard that from someplace usually and i don't want it to be me god has put us here and here we are and here go talk to roger he's a nice guy he's not your age but so what you know, so I don't make a big deal about your, the same age. I think we make a mistake because then they want their same age, and when they get older, you wonder why, why they never want to be with you. Well, you kept on shoving them off to youth group and making them go with kids their own age, and all of a sudden, they don't know how to relate to anybody. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's my own. Anyway, I won't <laughs> preach about it. But anyway, you know, in the mission, the missionaries go out, and who's there for them? Nobody. You know, so then you teach your children. I teach my children. We now are going to serve, and now you are helping the younger generation. And you're going to encourage them, and so that's how it is. And so, if there's nobody your age, I don't know why it's a big deal when you're younger. Because, like I said, I'm older. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to talk to you because you're not how old I am. Not even going to say how no, you don't old like I am. Me. That's why you <laughs> <talk to me. laughs> So, you know, just try to help them have a good attitude. This is where we can serve the Lord. Oh, isn't this, you know, and go talk to the little grandma. She would like to hear from you or, you know, whatever. Okay. Um
6: I totally can relate to kids that don't have anyone. When we moved to Puerto Rico, we had, we had no one. It was our family. And, you know, we struggled a lot as kids because, I mean, there were four of us, which, you know, numbers are good. and But I remember some of our family really didn't like it. They're like they don't have anyone down there. It's going to be a horrible experience. How can you do this to your children? And you know, God worked an amazing thing in all of our lives. And I just want—if—if if you have young children and you feel led to a small to a small church, you know, God blesses in different ways for everyone. Like every single one of us, our family is so insanely close. It's unbelievable, and thank god all of us came to the lord and i think learning to serve him at a young age learning to um to go out and be willing to, to to follow your parents and to serve that's a huge gift and you know we do relate much better to older people than a lot of i mean moving to richmond was a breeze because okay now you have people and they're all ages and then we moved to florida where they're even older and you know what? It doesn't matter. Age is just a number, and they're fascinating people. And, like, you, I mean, you probably already see it in your girls. They talk to everyone. And, you, you know, it just, don't let the devil use that as a stumbling block for anybody because God sees, God sees your heart and that you, the fact that you're willing to serve, and he's going to bless every single person involved. And it's just amazing to see how he works. So even though it looks bad at first, it always turns out fantastic. So, yeah.
0: Anyone else want to?
8: I went from the uh, large church in Mansfield to when the North Phoenix Church started. And there were three kids in Sunday school and two were mine. And that was a unique experience, and I always wanted somebody else to teach Sunday school because I wanted my kids to know that somebody else believed it, not just me. (laughs) And they heard it all week from me. But when we told our families we were leaving, I had to go, my grandmother called and said, come over here, I want to talk to you. And I was really concerned because it was like that was the one person I was always afraid when I moved that I didn't know if she'd be there next time when I got home. She was getting older and... She asked about our experiences of why we were moving, and I shared it. And she said, well, then what's the question? She says, when I came to this country, I was 14. I wasn't converted. And she said, you're converted. You can go. You can travel. You can call. You can do those things. She says, but just remember when you get out there that when you lived here, you cried. And it's not going to be heaven on earth there either. She says, so go in your room and have a good cry. Get down and say your prayers. Go wash your face and go get busy. And we've been out there over 30 years now, and I have lived by that. It was a good reminder that Satan throws in your face that the other place is always better. It wasn't as hard. It wasn't as this or that. But we we cry no matter where we live, and we aren't in heaven yet. And so we just need to, you know, to reach out to others when we're hurting or to, you know, continue to pray and be encouraged that God is with us and We need to keep going.
2: We've moved to uh, West Akron, and and it's a big church. And um, there's a lot of advantages to to a big church. But one of the things that uh, probably bothers me the most in being a big church is there are just too many people that are complacent and satisfied just being in the big church. Uh, there seemed like little or no desire by some of them just not to visit. Uh, I can't say that for all of them. There are, it is getting better. We have now gotten a choir, and um, there's that means traveling. And so there are uh, groups that want to go and, and consider the small churches, And so, Lord willing, we're hoping that this will take place next year with our choir, that we can go and visit small churches. Uh, It's been my heart's desire to do that. I try to go as often as I can, but I can't always go. But I try to encourage as many brothers and sisters as I can talk to go and visit the small churches.
1: Thank you.
0: And maybe if some of the small churches want to be on a list in that West Akron... Maybe they should see Bob.
13: I'm from a a large church in uh, Kitchener, and a number of things that we've done in the last few years to support the small church that is also in Kitchener, the Avon Road. Um, As a leadership uh, group among our ministers and elders, we've um, for a few years now done a monthly rotation where we send a minister to the Avon Road congregation every month. Um, as well as encourage, when we do that, to encourage families to come along with us. Um, So during that, I would say our visitation and relationship between the two churches has definitely grown closer, um, to the point now that recently, within the past year, uh, one of our ministering brothers, Brother Bill Pamer, and his family has felt the call to relocate and make Avon Road their home church. Um, So things are you know, helping very much uh, in that direction there. Um, And so I can suggest, uh, I think, you know, most of them are here from small churches, but uh, so those of you that are here from small churches, if there is a large church nearby, uh, begin, you could begin making that step as far as reaching out to them and saying, you know, can you send someone to us once a month? Uh, Can you send visitors? Um, You can have that discussion on the leadership level. You can have that discussion... Um, with people that you establish relationships with, come and visit me um, and uh, begin uh, that rolling uh, in that direction.
0: That's what you were going to say. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Mm -hmm.
2: I remember once having a little discussion with Brother David Freund about being discouraged because our church had become so small with people, not only just moving away, but some actually just leaving us all together. And he had the sermon then the next time, and he said, he he based uh, the theme on, you're like an oak tree that has lots of acorns that have been scattered around and are planted in other places. But I'm ready for some of those acorns that have now blossomed and have brought forth fruit to end up sending a few trees back our way too.
0: Anyone else? I don't want to cut anyone short. We don't have a large church near us, but why
3: can't the two sm- the, the smaller churches still keep visiting each other more? Syracuse, Upper Marlboro, m- even maybe Richmond—that's a little far, but.
0: <laughs> yes, and thank you for that.
4: We're, we're not considered real big. It's, Beverly Hills is kind of small, but there are tiny churches out there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of our brothers, uh, Mark Brzezowski, um, had a, a f- inspiration burning in his heart from the Lord to uh, set up a, a visitation for Rodney. So we put up a monthly schedule because that's a tiny church. So even the small churches can help the other tinier churches.
5: I would. Hello, I'm Gary Dudlitz. I moved from Beverly Hills, which I never considered a small church. And believe me, it was a small church. But I moved to Upper Marlboro, and that is a small church compared to Beverly Hills. Um, it, it, it wasn't an easy move. It, but it really wasn't a, a good settle for me. Uh, I'm not in the area. I'm not close to people. Uh, the people that I am close to, they spend their weekends in Maryland, and it's it's difficult to do anything except Sunday with them. Uh, even uh, this past weekend, they had guests from out of town. Uh, they forget I'm around. and and it's not their fault Uh, when I was first moved there I was under financial duress kind of mentioned it to them and they kind of didn't want to hear about it Uh, because I wasn't starving or homeless or anything Uh, they take really good care of those kind but I was to the point where I didn't have money for gas other than I could go to church and I could go to work and I just parked my van at the apartment um I'm happy to say now I have money for gas and I have discretionary spending money. I can do other things. But after being there for three years and they're used to that's who Gary is, he shows up anytime you tell him there's something, but not at any of the extra things. This year I tried to do some of the extra stuff, but there's still of the mindset that it's like, well you know he's over there and i remember uh one of the two gentlemen sitting on i one side of me i was taken into my house after church and they plugged in a gps of my address and they said man you're far away that was a tough you know a tough nut for me cuz i you know like i didn't consider it far away i considered i was in the neighborhood but you know Little things like that can um, make a transition into a big church, I mean, into a real small church from being very, very, very active at one church. And then you go to another church and you're hobbled by finances and you can't do much. And then when you're ready to do something, it's, it's hard to, to get any momentum going. Get any, I do think we call it traction. Um, the the other thing is uh, when I do go to church I mean I, I literally am looking forward to it from the time I left I'm looking the brothers at my church know a lot of times I'm like the last one there and I'm the first one there I, I I would prefer to be there about an hour, hour and a half before everybody else, um, and not because I want to be the only one there, but because I need more time with people. I need more time, and our time is just so so short on Sundays. It's just, so you know, I didn't get enough. I need more. And and it's it's not so much that you're lonely. It's it's, it's also when you're going to relocate to a, or if you're actually, I, I relocated for a job, so I, you know, and I was kind of strapped, so I had to live really close to my work in order to make it work. Um, but if you're going to be going to a, a small church, don't look for housing until you visit that church and find out where everybody else lives and why they live where they live where they live so that you can be close to them. And in, and just not in, you know, within 20 minutes or a half hour because everybody might live 45 minutes in the other direction and you've just separated yourself from living with them. Uh, you've got a, and it's, it's really interesting. When you go to a small church, there's not a lot of, you know, they're not spread out in every direction. They're, they're spread out in one direction and it's not where the jobs are. So it's kind of unusual. Um, I do know that there were several members that moved into the area close to me that thought it was way too far to drive for a church, so they went to a local church. And that was really disappointing and disheartening for me. But uh, I'm s- still trying to figure out what we can do to remedy the situation, because there's a lot of jobs in my area. It's, it's booming. Um, Believe me, I I look around for people who are unemployed. I want to move over in our area and want to get something going. Uh, but it's it's not easy. Uh, and uh, I just want to invite anybody to come visit me. I know tax were going to, yeah, a little something. And my, my, my sister and, well, I had a group of six people come visit me in my little apartment. And we all fit just fine. Everybody had a place to sleep. And uh, that, that's, like, that's in three and a half years I had, like, one, one group of visitors. And that's disappointing because I like family and I like, like like my old, you know. You want people to come and visit you. I'm thinking, is there a way you can get, you know, if you want to take a family out and move it to your church, it'd be nice to take grandma and grandpa, and you know, all the way down and have that whole string Say, okay, we're a big church, we got this whole group, we got we got all this infrastructure, all this grandpas and everything else. Let's take let's take one swath and move it to one little church so that they can have family and then they can support the rest of the little church.
0: Yeah, some people would have to leave to go to the Ministers Wives Forum and uh, I don't know if we should just uh, conclude this now and continue on uh, talking to each other that uh, I think that may be the, the, uh, the way to go and I thank you for, for coming and uh, those, who would, those who have to leave uh, you could do so at this time and those who would like to stay and continue talking that uh, we can do that also but, uh, I thank you for your participation